Welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode 107. I have ventured south from Byron Bay down that long road, which isn't so long these days. A lot of bypasses along the way got me to Sydney in record time in about nine hours. Uh, Drove over the Harbour Bridge. My heart started singing. We've written a lot and spoken a lot about other cities uh, recently. And this one is the one that has been true to my heart in the sense of bouncing back, driving over the Harbour Bridge is electric. It's back. It's back with gusto and there's hotels opening, reopening, reinventing themselves and I found myself in an amazing art deco old building with a very renowned chef, Australian chef Luke Mangan. Luke, I'm not going to talk any more about Kimpton Margo. You are, but firstly, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Now, can we start with little Luke? Where Mm. did Luke grow up? How did he get to be where he is now? Uh, I grew up in Melbourne, Victoria, um, a little suburb called Forest Hills, uh, and I fell into cooking at the age of 15. I did uh, work experience um, for a couple of weeks and then found that that was the best option to go become an apprenticeship when I got kicked out of school. So, Forest Hill is loosely based on Kath and Kim's Forest Lakes. There you go. Because you're talking to a Victorian girl. Right. That grew up, my my crew would say, in Frankston, but it was actually Mornington Peninsula. Yeah. But we're kind of in the same, you know, we've got the same, uh, I guess, stock in yep. a way. Yeah, uh, So, 15, where did you work? I worked at uh, Two Faces Restaurant in South Yarra, which was known as the best restaurant in Australia at the time. Wow. You started there at 15. Well, yeah, I was lucky enough to do the, the work experience there, and, and then a, f- a few months later, I got asked to leave from school because I was not good at school. I spent most of the time outside the classroom than I did in, and I felt that was probably the best option for me. That doesn't make you not good at school, does it? It just means you didn't want to do math. Or English, or geography, or anything like what, that. Well, you just wanted to play sport and get your hands dirty? No, I just, I just couldn't sit still. It's probably defined as ADD nowadays. They didn't... Um... They, they, they didn't diagnose us back then, did they? No. We're actually sitting in the beautiful, your beautiful you. restaurant. Yes, we're just getting delivered beautiful coffee. And so we've got a bit of, of uh, we've got we've got sound effects, which yeah. is really good because we're going to be talking about this towards Thank the end. You. Thank you of the podcast. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I probably had a similar thing going on with the ADHD, yeah. undiagnosed, but I would see it as creative and abstract and wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe we weren't nurtured in school institutions so yeah. you decided to go and be a chef well yeah i didn't have much choice i mean it was my, my father sort of put it on me to uh you know he was going to put me in another school or i had to go do a, the apprenticeship and i had to finish my apprenticeship there so i had some rules and guidelines from my parents which were great uh and thankfully i finished my apprenticeship but there. why food why not like plumbing or electrical uh, i wasn't that kind of way um my mum was a great cook a family of seven boys this is a 107 podcast, seven boys, so there you go. Wow. Um, so mum was a great cook, very homely cook, lots of food shared in the middle of the table, very middle-class family. But I'd cook and make bread with mum and cakes and soups and things like that. Were you so, one of the only ones out of the seven that was doing that? Yeah, I had another brother who was a chef also. So um, he was in hotels. Um, so that sort of, you know, got me into it. And descendants, right? Scottish, Irish? Not that we know of. The Irish background, the Mangans? Yeah, yes, yeah. But, okay. uh, but the name yes, like yeah. that. Great. So you started baking bread with mum at a, at a ripe old age of... About 13, I reckon, and, and bread and cakes and soups. And, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and mum was straining a chicken stock that she'd made that was cooking overnight and you could smell that waft through the house. It either interests you or it doesn't, though, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So you pick that up? Yeah, well, the food mum's cooking was always fantastic. Her grandmother's, her mother's cooking was always amazing. Um, and, you know, all I remember was trifles and custards and 
sherry in the trifle and jelly and all these beautiful things. Comfort food, real food, honest food. And that's pretty much always been you, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. That, that's what Luke's Kitchen to me is all about, real food, honest food. Yeah, so, so you did your, uh, your South Yarra foray restaurant yep. and then where else do you go after that? I, uh, from my apprenticeship, I finished, and, and a year, about six months before I finished my apprenticeship, I wrote a letter to Michelle Rue at the Waterside Inn, the best restaurant known in the world, Three Star Michelin, in Bray, Berkshire. And in those days, uh, I think that was around 1990 or 1991, uh, you could only write letters, you know? You couldn't email or things yeah. like that. So I wrote the letter, and about six weeks later, I got a nice letter written back to me saying... Um, you know, thanks very much for your interest, but we have a two year wait list and, and sadly there's no position available. So I was a bit gutted by that because I was quite keen to get to work at this restaurant, the, the Waterside Inn, known as the best restaurant in the world. And uh, so what I did, I went and spoke to my mum about it, blah, blah, blah. We decided that we would ring the restaurant, the Waterside Inn, uh, <laughs> late, at, late at night and uh, from Sydney, and, uh, from Melbourne. And then uh, I rang, uh, can I be put through to the kitchen? They put me through to the kitchen. And to my surprise, that morning, Michelle Rue actually answered the phone wow. in the kitchen. <laughs> and I stated who I am. He remembered my letter and remembered writing back and, and said, look, thank you, but it's still a two-year wait list. So I decided something made me click and I just said, what about if I come over in six weeks and I work a month without pay and if I'm any good, you give me a job? And he goes, great, we'll see you in six weeks. Initiative. Well, How old are you at this stage? I was uh, 20... 20, I think, 19 or 20, and, and to be honest, uh, so I went over there on that first uh, agreed month without pay. My first day of work was my 21st birthday. Right. May 6, 19... What are we talking about? What 19, year are you born? I reckon it's 90, I was born in 70, so that was 91. Yeah, no, I'm with you, I was, I was in London 93. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah a bit older, yeah. So, uh, you don't look it. Um, <laughs> I like that. So, my first day was 7 a.m., to midnight on my 21st birthday and I'll never forget it. And I ended up, after a month, he sat me down and said, we've loved having you here. We think there's, we've made a position available for you. And I ended up staying for nearly three years. So, so let's talk about if, particularly at the moment, there's been a shortage, they're saying there's a shortage in, in the workforce, mm. in hospitality, which Big breaks shortage. my heart because yep. I'm sure you share that European solid foundation of it being a career. Yeah. Uh, if someone rang you now, like let's say someone up in uh, Gympie mm. loves your work, sends you a letter mm. <laughs> and then rings you, mm. how would you respond to Give that? Give them a job straight away. Yeah, yeah. And we get many people doing that. Do they? Um, yeah. They still do. Well, you know, we, we still get interest from young kids. Saying uh, that I'll work for a month for free? Oh, no, they wouldn't do that. And, you know, probably nowadays it's not. You, can't, you can't do that. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. of course you can't. You, you would. However, I like the way you did it and the way that you got in there because yeah. you showed initiative, drive, confidence. I'd do it again. I yeah. would go do something like that yeah. again. It's kind of, um, you probably remember 3MP. Yeah, the radio station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Der Darren Hinch. Yeah. I did work experience down there when I was 16. Great. Um, and well, Hinchy comes here to the new hotel. Yeah, we'll see. He won't remember me because okay. I'm like the D and stuff. But yeah. no, more importantly, I rang up the station and did the same as what you did. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I think it's the only way to learn. Volunteer. You know, and yeah. I often tell young people to do that. I, mm. I, I don't know about the whole being illegal things. I think volunteering is very important. Yeah, well, nowadays it's and all a different back. world, isn't it? Okay, well, there you go. Well, we should not talk about that much more. But I would say to any young people out there, please do volunteer if you want to go into your uh, chosen industry and there's a lot yeah. of space for you. Because you will well, get Well, you somewhere. can learn a lot, yeah. So how long did you stay there? 
there for? Uh, about three years, and, and it was the best thing I ever did. Yeah. The two things in my career, well, I would say everything I've done in my career are the best things I've done. Sure, I've made mistakes, but doing that apprenticeship, going to the Waterside Inn, uh, and, and spending three years with Mr. Roo, who we became great friends, and sadly he passed away about a year ago. Yeah. Um, but we were still very much in touch, and, and uh, he was a great friend. Yeah, right. And so what did you learn from him? What was some of the... Discipline, technique, motivation, inspiration, flavours, food, just everything. And, and common sense. And he was where Herman Schneider at Two Faces was a very dedicated chef with all those attributes. Mr. Rue Michel was a chef that was uh, a showman as well. He taught me how to enjoy the customer, be out in front with the customer. It's not just about food, it's all about flowers, lighting, music, wine, ambience. Yeah, because I've done a few chefs on the podcast, as you know, but like some are quite, you know... Reserved. Introverted, loving in their space. Yeah. Um, others are really good. I've got a... a um, gorgeous Spanish chef that I've worked with for a long time, Chef Pepe, and he just gets out on the floor, cooks yeah. paella out on the floor. His heart sings speaking to people. And we often talk about that movie like Water for Chocolate. Yeah, I love it. And I'm sure you strike me as someone because you were cooking with your mums at such yeah. a young age in a homely house yeah. by the sounds of it. And then you've just, I guess, threaded that through your restaurants. So people can talk to you and, and yeah, say, look, hey, I'm, look, I'm more out on the floor now than I am in the kitchen because I've got a chef who's been with me for 18 years who yes. runs Luke's Kitchen. So yes. I have total faith and trust in him. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky with that, yeah. Yeah, and so how did we get you back to Australia? What I mean, do you want to talk about uh, anything else you were doing overseas? No, I, after Waterside Inn, I went and worked with uh, Rolly Lee at Kensington Place, which was a great restaurant. Yeah. Uh, a bit more, it was a lot more casual from Waterside Inn. It was like a big French brasserie, 200 seat, which probably gave me the skill and knowledge to open Glass Brasserie, which is a 240 seat restaurant 17 yes. years ago. Yes. Um, so, you know, that training that those foundations were incredible for what what we, i've done um after i think nearly 18 months with the water so, uh, sorry rolly lee i came back into uh, australia went straight back to melbourne did three jobs in a row that three restaurants closed down within six months wow. and at that stage i was thinking god maybe cooking's not for me because i was sort of head chef or sous chef and yeah. and i was pretty young at those times i think i was 20 Five, twenty-six, whatever, no, twenty, whatever I was. I was young, mm. uh, and and I was getting a bit, you know, down on on the industry. Jaded, I guess jaded like, is yeah, the word. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, luckily enough, I got a job with the great Mr. John, John Hems from Maryvale Group, right. and I was offered a job to open Hotel CBD on the corner of King and York Street, which I think opened in '94 or '95, and um, um, I yeah, there was a bit of a process to get that job. However, I got it, and that, again, was the best thing that happened to me. So, Mr. John, Justin Hem's father, wow. uh, who sadly has passed away as well, but he created a, an empire for, for, you know, the Merivale Group, and he gave me that opportunity in Hotel CBD, which we opened, and I think I ended up staying five, six years, and we were very lucky that we got great reviews. Uh, I was just back from England and, and doing great food that... You know, I was taught by Mr. Rue, Rolly Lee, and etc. And we were in a great, beautiful building. You had the backing. I had the backing, yeah. Yeah, and so was it hard to leave Melbourne? Uh, I was a bit down in Melbourne because of those three jobs had sort of fallen in a hole. And, it's probably and, winter, dark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and it was probably 
this was my last shot. And if that wasn't going to work with Mr. John, who knows what would have happened. What year is, did you leave Melbourne? Do you remember? Uh, well, I think Hotel, BC, Hotel CBD must have started in, in 94 or 95 right. from memory. Because I left Melbourne in 98, similar, yeah. London, Melbourne, and then um, dark, gloomy, you know, just got to me one day and I was similar sort of journey. I'm not a chef, obviously, but other media things that didn't work out. And I yeah. like it. got an offer to come for a job in Sydney and I haven't been back. Yeah, right. And I've progressed further north, but I met my husband, had children here, blah, blah. But you're a Melbourne boy. Yeah. I'm a Melbourne girl. There you go. Pretty very cool. Sydney Swans, who were South Melbourne. Oh, you're Because we followed South Melbourne in, in Melbourne. And then they followed you to Sydney. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm bombers. We and still a, get along. And I'm a Swans ambassador, so that's even better. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, you can take the boy out of Melbourne, but there not the Melbourne there out there of the boy. Go. But you're very entrenched in Sydney now, in a yes, good way. People it. know you, I mean, around Australia, but you're very known in Sydney. Yeah. And that is because of glass, I guess? Well, you know, we opened Salt in 2000. That was my oh, first yes. own restaurant yes. after Hotel CBD. Great name, mate. I live um, in Salt. There you go. In Kingscliff. Right? I love Salt, yeah. <laughs> One of the best chefs in the country. Steve Snell is up that way. He's a mate of ours, isn't There he? you go. He's a good yep. bloke. There's our connection, um, yep. So um, Salt opened in February 1999, my first restaurant in a boutique hotel of 40 rooms called The Kirkton. And uh, that was all happening, wasn't it? Wasn't I it? remember yeah. when that opened because I just moved to Sydney. Yeah, and the Kirkton was the first of its kind. It was boutique, yep, art deco, 100%. Yeah, it was schmick. Ian Halliday designed the restaurant, was stunning, interesting because of where we're standing now. Yeah, but let's go there. I was going to come yeah, back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, we opened at the right time because uh, the Olympics were coming, yes, and of course. Salt got when it first opened, got an amazing reviews and, and things like that. And then when the Olympics came to Australia, I ended up being on the Today Show live at Olympic Park at midnight cooking uh, back to the US audience because I'd done a bit of TV in America before that. Like LA Today or Hello LA no, or something? No, uh, to the Today Show and NBC's Today Show wow. with an audience of 60 million. As so, an Australian chef? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty cool with yeah. Matt Lauer and, and Katie Couric and all that sort of stuff. So that was cool. Got to know them. They came to the restaurant Seoul. All the Olympians would come to the Salt Restaurant, coming with their gold medals. Baz Luhrmann lived behind the street. We, part, you know, did Tom Cruise's birthday party. We did Nicole Kidman's birthday party, privately, exclusively. We, we did. Everyone this just came. Dead said heyday, isn't it? Yeah, it was pretty cool because Salt was a very much one of a kind restaurant, um, and we were very lucky to be in that space, do what we were doing. And doing the right thing at the right time, I guess. What so, were you trying to do with salt? No, no idea. I was young. I opened salt at 29. Um, I just wanted to create a great restaurant, a great experience. Um, salt, why we named it salt was because back in the ancient Greek days, they gave salt as a type of hospitality. Um, they'd give it as friendship because money wasn't about. They'd give salt and it was known as a traded commodity. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, and it was pretty cool. <laughs> so, And you can't cook without salt. So yeah. it was important that... You know, that name to me did great things. And how long was it open for? I had uh, Salt, Lucy, Ellen and I opened that in 99. Our lease ended in 2005, so we had it for six years. And in the meantime, I'd sold half the brand to my Japanese business partner. Right. Where we continued to open Salt Tokyo, Salt Singapore, Salt Jakarta, Salt Bali, um, Wow. Etc. And they're still going? No, I sold them, thankfully, uh, in June 2019. Wow. 
2018 wow. to my partner. Okay. Because we were sort of heading in different directions. He sure. wanted to keep expanding. I wanted to keep sort of, I think we've got enough. How yep. much more do we need? Yeah. And That's a big gig too. Yeah, it was big. And I had the cruise ships, the airlines, all the restaurants. Yeah, let's talk about the cruise ships because I'm at a travel conference at the moment. Yep. Super excited. The world is opening up. Yep. Sydney is front and centre. So we were talking about the cruise ships. We're like, okay, no one's talking about them. When are they coming back? What yep. were you, what's your thoughts on that firstly? And what were you doing on the cruise ships? Well, um, in about 2010 or 9, 2009, I was approached by P&O to become, to put a restaurant on board their, one of their ships. It wasn't my first um, reaction to say yes, because P&O didn't have the greatest brand and I was a bit worried. So originally, yeah, yeah, straight away, I, I said no. Yeah. But then Stura, the CEO of uh, Carnival, caught up with me and we had a chat and he told me his vision that he wanted to change dining and fix cruising up and blah 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 and I love this guy and I thought this guy's cool and to this day the, the 11 year partnership we've had he stuck to his word he modernized things he changed things and he kept to his word that I could have free reign in my restaurants own kitchens bring in different produce and things like that so we have been very lucky to have probably 11 year partnership and that has been amazing. We've got two new cruise ships coming, well, hopefully this year if cruising comes back. But yeah. over the last two years, it's been a pretty uh, depressing site for a lot of people in, in business. And the roll-on effect for cruising, which employs 18,000 Australians cruising oh. in Australia, it's a $5 billion turnover business to the economy. And yes, things happened with COVID, but I think everyone's learned from that and it can be bigger and better. Yeah. I love the way your connection with the meeting with the gentleman. Stura. That was where you went, this is a partnership. Yeah, you strike me as someone that goes from the vibe of the other person. 100%. You've got a, uh, a partnership to me is, is not all about what I want, me, Luke. It's also what you want to do with a partner and do you have the same vision. Don't go into a partnership if it's all about you. Mm. Go into the partnership if you guys have the same path and want to share the same vision. And that's absolutely something you have to do at the start. Yeah. And, and then also the other thing I'd add, I'd have, I'd have, I've had a couple of partnerships. Yeah. One successful, one not so successful, is have an exit strategy just in case. 100%. You know, one of you decide you want to go and live in Spain. Yeah. Or hit by a, you know, yep. flying saucer. There you go. There <laughs> that's you go. a bit old, flying saucer. Well, you never know. <laughs> yeah, but oh, great. Okay, so you will continue to work with the cruise ships when they come back. Yeah. And we... what do you do there? Well, we have our own restaurant, Salt Grills and, and Luke's Burger Bar and things yeah. like that. So we had uh, about six restaurants on their three cruise ships before COVID. Um, and we did a deal for another five years, just before COVID, um, to create our Luke's, um, our Luke's Grills on the uh, new ships, the two new ships. So they will launch on Pacific Adventure and Pacific uh, Endeavour when we can cruise again and we'll do a few small bars and burger bars as well I love that. so that's exciting you know very much like the luke's kitchen feel but it'll be a luke's sort of bar and grills and feel. so i'm not known to be a cruise rider you've never cruised <laughs> have you ever cruised no but you're making me think i should yeah um because i've just always i've been to travel a long time so i just do my own thing mm. i'm very much about my own itinerary yeah. and just yeah. not having a lanyard on and just that but that's a little bit judgmental of me to say that yeah um, and I guess you were thinking that when you approached for the food element mm. of it, but mm. surely this is like raised the bar by having someone like you on board and because well, I don't do buffets, put it that way. I don't do beer. You know what? Either do P and O now, yeah, but buffets. yeah, either do I. <laughs> but but um, we have an individual restaurant on a cruise ship, like we're sitting in this hotel here, the Kimpton. 
our restaurant is just attached on a cruise ship. Own kitchen, own cool rooms, own menus, etc., etc. Yeah. That's what that guy, Stura, gave me in that meeting t- all those years ago. Right. And stuck to his word. Yeah. Um, and we've been very, it's been a really successful partnership and signing another five years. Yeah, wow. And launching these uh, two new cruise ships that are coming up. So how do you... Um well, you're not cruising. You're not out there cruising. I just love cruising. Out. I love cruising. You, lo- <laughs> you said that three times. Say I one do. more time. Um, I love it. How, how do you uh, do? Have to find the time to curate that. Well, um, you just do. I spend, team is it team? team? It's all about team. It's not all about me. I've got one chef. Thankfully, I've just been able to bring back uh, two weeks ago because we can see light at the end of the tunnel after COVID. Yeah. Um, sadly, you know, we had to put off a lot of staff when COVID started. Yeah. As everyone did. Um, but I've brought him back and he's working on redeveloping all the new uh, restaurants now. And, and the teams on board, obviously, um, work with the way we want, so it's great. So just let's touch on the, on the uh, global pandemic for a second. How was that for you? I mean, clearly, business you know, wasn't great, but mm. did you find that a creative, sort of introspective time? Or what did you do with your time when you just kept going? We, we um, lost 95% of our business, obviously. We have, I lost 99. There you go. <laughs> so we lost hotel business, restaurant business, cruise ships, airlines, all that sort of stuff. So oh, you were with the airlines as well? We were with Virgin Australia, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, um, I'll launch a lot of buddy. There we, go, there we go. So what we, we decided, everyone was doing this takeaway food yep. uh, and, and, and pivoting. And I didn't want to re, try and recreate our restaurant food because I, I was scared that it doesn't carry well yep. to someone's home. Yep. So we created pies, take-home pies, home-cooked pies, beef pie, chicken pie, chocolate tarts, apple pie. Back to your comfort food. Exactly (laughs) right. And you know what? That turned into a massive business for us. Um, Why were you cooking that out? What was the deal? Well, there you go. So uh, we we started doing that at the Hilton because the Hilton had no rooms and all our kitchens were empty. So we started there, but the business grew so quickly that I had to approach an airline, the people who worked on our airline foods, who were doing nothing, their kitchens were dormant, if they could produce our pies. We were selling up to three, 4,000 pies a week. All over the country? All over the country. Oh, so you employed the workforce? Yeah, we employed the, the, the people. employed Yeah, so we were very lucky that that happened, and you know that business is still going today. Yeah, well, so I'm thinking ahead. Is that something that I'll see on the shelves in one of the majors? Or? I don't, look, in the supermarkets, we did have some discussions, but it's all about price and that entry, and I didn't want to uh, cheapen the ingredients that we used to just get it on a supermarket shelf. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy with the way it is now. So can we order that online still? Still, LukeMangan.com, Australia-wide. That's incredible. Yeah, and in, in fact, the last two months since December 16, our business went back to where it was in October with pie sales because people weren't going out to restaurants again. Is that including what you lost on the cruise and the airlines? As in revenue? Yeah. No, 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 sadly not. But no. but the, the sales of that pie business stayed very strong. And it's still there. So yeah. you've got another arm to the, yeah. already, and the I, already octopus that you already have. Exactly. And I hope that'll continue. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, so let's fast forward because yeah. there's so much going on for you. Glass, touch on glass. Yeah, Tell 17 years. Boy, how lucky are we there? One of the most beautiful hotel dining rooms in Australia, along with this new Luke's kitchen. It, glass is... Um, been at the Hilton and, and I don't know we're just so lucky that deal this is how that deal happened when I had salt the original salt they approached me and by the way we opened the Auckland Hilton in 2003 
but that went really well. So they approached me for the Sydney Hilton and I said to them, look, this is not sure I want this because I don't want to do a hotel restaurant. I want this to be a separate restaurant that happens to be in a hotel. Mm. And they said, well, that's kind of our vision. We want that too. Because they, they admitted we don't run restaurants well. We, we do accommodation well, but we don't do restaurants. I'm hearing this so much more these days. And, you know, I said, okay, well, if you agree that this glass becomes our restaurant, not your restaurant, we do what, the way we want to do it. And they said, it's your restaurant. And again, same vision, same partnership, hasn't changed in 17 years. And it's going strong? Still, to this day. And, and managed to go through the... the we were very lucky to get through COVID. I mean, it was touch and go there for a while for everyone, as I'm sure. Um, but with Hilton being great partners, we managed to navigate through it. They let me use their kitchens, the, their hotel kitchens, to get through the pie, nice. pie business. I love this story. So this it was pretty cool. So that's all about partnerships, how yeah. they, you know, wanted to keep me happy and they let me be, do that. So it was incredible. And it's also a little bit about good old fashioned um, human interaction and care and yeah. compassion. Yesterday at this conference, Ida Buttrose spoke and like what a woman to learn from, yeah. you know, and she just talked about but that. Ida buys our pies. Does she? If you see her, ask her how she enjoys the Luke Mangan pies. I will indeed. But she talked about that old fashioned, you know, interaction with mm. humans and just hanging out basically and yeah. it's just I just found it from a woman of her stature and age yeah. it's and you and I come from that sort of middle age where it's like you know we, we do write we did write letters yeah. and send them yeah and it's no different from the Hilton going hey mate Luke you need the kitchen yeah. bang out some pies yeah shouldn't it be that simple yeah it should be I think smart business people uh get it yeah you know and and there's Landlords out there, with all you know, some landlords have got mm. their overheads and debt they need to repay. But I, this is where I've been banging off two years about the smaller businesses, yes. not cafes, yeah. wine bars, and other retail outlets. Yes. You know, you walk down a street in, in the city or in a suburb, who these small hairdressers are paying rent with one customer. So, what do you think they can do better than landlord? Oh, well, I think they need to work together. They need to not think short term; they need to think long term. Mm. I want my tenant to stay here. I'm going to yeah. have a bit of compassion and leniency. Yeah, so but the, can... I understand that the landlords have commitments as well, but sure. the, it, it's we've got to get a fine line to Good, keep Or else we're just going to have a, real, a lot of empty spaces. There's a lot there. already. Yeah. That's the problem. And nobody wants yeah. that either way. Yeah. So this space, let's fast forward because I'm a very visual person and I've just walked in here and been blown away by the touch points yeah. of this Art Deco scene that I'm yeah. trying to describe but you're going to do it for me what where are we Where's we're this in building? the 1930s built building and it used to be the waterboard on the corner of Pitt and Bathurst Street it's now called the Kimpton Hotel uh, and it's a pretty incredible building it would wear very art deco beautiful rooms 172 boutique hotel rooms and we do all the food and beverage uh, from room service to the cafe which is called the um, pantry We've got my Luke cellar over in the far corner, our bar. Well, that's your cellar. That's my cellar. I was just chatting to the barman over there. Good. He doesn't you... have ink gin, by the way. He will, <laughs> after this, because it's one of my favourite gins. Okay, good. So our cellar, and which you can dine in and have exclusively, uh, Art Deco bar and the lobby. And then our Luke's kitchen, which seats 160. We're sitting in the casual bar area, which you can come in at any time of the day and have oysters and glasses of champagne or whatever. Uh, and the, Or you can have the restaurant menu in the bar area as well. I feel like I've stepped into New York. It's pretty cool and you should see it at night when the lights are down low, the music's up loud and we're just fine tuning things. We've been open 
a week? Actually, well, we opened officially Monday night, but last night was our f- official a la carte night. Wow. Yeah, How'd it, it go? It went great. Yeah. We're limiting to 50 covers every night Smart. to get things under control. But sadly, we can only do three nights a week because that's all the staff we have. Right. If we had more staff in the country, we could open more. It strikes me as you're someone that will be able to get the staff out. You will get staff. Oh, we will eventually. Because of your reputation and who you are as a person. Yeah. I'm sure there's a few people hanging around, right? Sure, we, we'll, we'll get them, but, you know, we are where we are. Everyone's in the same boat. Or they all moved to Byron Bay like the rest of us. Well, I might move there too. <laughs> um, heard it on the street. Now, just before uh, we go, Kimpton. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Kimpton Margot. What a mm. stunning name, by the way. Yeah. Is it? It's um, IHG's first foray into Australia? It is, um, and it's... Um, Look, they beautiful hotel. Started in the 70s in San Francisco, California. Wow. And I think it's it's over 80 hotels around the world. I've stayed in them before. Um, and it was... How we partnered was we had the original Luke's Kitchen in Waterloo in a beautiful warehouse space. And um, the, the IHG group started visiting Luke's Kitchen during lockdown and loved the space. And I ended up selling Luke's Kitchen to John Winnings, the appliance guy in... in uh, Dank Street Waterloo and he's now converted that space into a Japanese style restaurant which is really cool what's it called? Um, I'll come back to you on the no, name that's yeah. but it's, he's done a great job there and he bought the, that space off us and then we, we about 12 months ago we did a deal with uh, IHG Kimpton to do this Luke's Kitchen here so this has been in the pipeline for a while but under wraps obviously um, and yeah, it's been a beautiful transition. And so you've stayed in... Um, Kimpton's the, around the world, San Francisco, New York. it's not necessarily known in Australia, right? No, this, will be the, this is the first brand and they're planning to do Melbourne and Brisbane as well in the future and let's hope Luke's Kitchen joins that ride. I, I think that's, a, a, that's going to happen. I yeah. can tell. I can feel it. Yeah. Um, wrap the, wrap the, uh, Kimpton Margot in some words for me. What, mm. is, what is cool, it about this hotel? Cool boutique... Um, you know, it, it's do what it kind of do whatever you want when you want, but it, it, it's just there's no saying no to a, a customer, you know, and that's the same in my philosophy with Luke's any restaurant actually. Give the customer what they want when we can, if we can, and they have the same philosophy. We're, we're I've just stepped out of a meeting where we're doing the seventh floor, uh, which is a rooftop bar and grill, uh, which is going to be amazing, and we hope to open that in September. Um, so that, that'll be pretty cool. So it, it's all these amazing points that uh, the hotel do. It's like that partnership. We're on the same path. Mm. We have the same vision. Mm. Cool, slick, trendy, not too trendy, has some authenticity there and some creative charm, you know, old school charm. Like attracts like. I didn't know any of these sides to you. I knew a little, I mean, right. with Snowy, but well, I... Probably you, had a bit to drink that day, had I? Yeah, there was a Sunday. Yeah, there was a um, so I feel as though you're all about the partnerships and the people and just, you know, interacting and, and being around human beings, not just a cook. I do like my own space, but, um, yeah, look, re- that, to me, restaurants are all about that. Yeah. Exactly what you said. Yeah, hospitality. Yeah. And that's the business we're in. And I think sometimes some people forget it. And, and chefs who I've hired or worked for or whatever, restaurants are not just about food mm. or the ego of a chef because yes. when I was a young chef at CBD God, you would have dealt like I had, a lot of that. no but I had a massive ego it was all about my food at 25 you know mm. I, I was king of the world that was before the bloody master chef and all that Bef- stuff yeah right? exactly but you know I always thought it Did was you about you were king of the world before television I, I thought I was <laughs> I thought I was but it certainly wasn't restaurants are about flowers music lighting wine the team the service the package 
yeah. not just the food. Yeah. And that's an important lesson for any young chef to understand, I think. Yeah, great, and you teach them that. So I always leave... Uh, leave I try um, to. Yes, I'm sure you do, in a nice way. Yeah. You don't yell and scream and throw pots and pans at Gordon who? Who? Exactly. Who? Luke would never do that. He's a good old Melbourne boy who barracks for the Swans. Swans. There you South go. Melbourne even. Yeah. So, finishing up here, I always finish my podcast mm. with who and where around the world inspires you. You don't have to, you could say Mother Earth and No, well, I, I travel well before this. But as who, everyone. who? A person and a, a place. Person. Well, the place would be probably, I'm lucky to go to Positano every year uh, and, and the south of France, Central Pay every year. Beautiful. Up until this. That travel to those sort of regions, small little villages, eating normal food, going to markets, even Victoria Market, those things inspire me. Person, people who inspire me, well obviously Mr. Roo did and, and always will, but I think people in this industry, Australia worldwide, inspire me, who have got through this crazy couple of years and are still hanging in there to open their doors of the restaurants or bars or things like that. They inspire me because they're the ones who will be the next whoever and, and be there supporting the industry. Yeah, a pleasure to chat today. Well, a pleasure to see you again. <laughs> Encantada, ciao, ciao. Ciao, um, ciao. Catch up.